everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Teacher Podcast, brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. And now, here are your hosts, Sean Keibel and John Mikulski. Welcome to the Tightwad Teacher, Episode 8, iPodsibilities, for August 30th, 2011. Uh, I am Sean Keibel, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, John Mikulski. Say hey, John. Hello, everyone. And uh, we've got another great show lined up for you. And I always say we have another great show lined up like I actually did any of the organizational work on that. <laughs> that is all John, let me tell you. Uh, and I'm just holding out until someday when one goes terribly, terribly Ooh. wrong. And then I'll say, yeah, we really screwed that up. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, Sean, how you're always saying we. <laughs> right. So, uh, uh, we, yeah, we've got a, a, a great, passionate teacher. Uh, she's going to come on and talk to us about all the eye devices and using those and uh, different ways to use them and uh, and what's so great about them. If uh, if you don't have those devices already and you're wondering what all the hype is about, uh, our guest Meg Wilson is going to uh, explain all that to you today. So, uh, before we get uh, to our guest, though, uh, I want to cut into our warm-up topics. We always like to start the show off with uh, some hodgepodge. And uh, I'm going to start off today with, and I already did this on my Tightwad Tech show, but uh, I told the listeners over there, I have officially moved off of BlackBerry and onto an Android phone. It's a big move. It is a big move. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen the, the devices, I've seen the iPhones, I've seen the Androids, and I've really been looking at iPhones and Androids. And even though I'm an Apple, uh, professed Apple hater, uh, I'm not... Uh, you know, I, I certainly am not against going with the right device for you regardless, right? And so I checked out the, uh, the iPhone and, uh, my mom and brother have, have an iPhone and, uh, and then I had been checking out Android devices and, uh, the Android device hooked me just a little bit more. There was a few things that uh, I couldn't do with an iPhone that I really, uh, wanted to be able to do and I didn't like, uh, it kind of gets back to, you know, Apple says you can or can't do these things and I, I'm not one of those guys. So, uh, uh, the Android, very similar interface and, uh, functionality. And, uh, so I, I kind of decided that I wanted to go with an Android and finally the opportunity came up and I came into advice for, uh, very cheaply and I'm liking it, but I do miss a few things. Uh, my Blackberry for one, uh, was so much easier to type on. And, uh, I, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, Blackberry users, you get used to that, that, uh, the Blackberry keyboard and, uh, you can type very fast. And, uh, it, you really can't match that with a touchscreen device. Uh, I have installed what's called swipe. So now I can swipe in the, uh, forms of the word on the keyboard and that makes it a lot quicker for me. And I'm sure I'll get better with it over time, but I definitely miss that Blackberry keyboard. Uh, you know, uh I, oh, go ahead, John. Go ahead. I was just going to jump in and say like, all of this is very foreign to me because I have never owned a BlackBerry and I've never owned an Android. Um, so I'm kind of envious that you're, you're switching from one to the other because I've always gone in, uh, to the, the phone store to update my plan. And I just say, what's the cheapest phone you have? And I, <laughs> right. I, I think I, I got my first touchscreen, semi touchscreen phone, uh, just last year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. You were um, always, yeah. So to that, you, a phone is a so phone, I'm, right? If I'm quiet right now, I, I, you're totally out of my league. 
I'll I'll get into it more later when Meg comes on and we talk about iPods and iPads and stuff because I'm that's more my my game. But sure, um, sure. Sorry to cut you off. So tell me how great your i your Android is. Well, I don't want to go too much into that because uh, uh, I think anybody out there needs to make up their own mind on these devices. They need to really look at everything. Uh, don't do like my mom and brother did. They hear everybody talk iPhone, 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 and they went out and bought an iPhone, and now they're they wish they they actually wish they had gone with an Android. And now they see my phone and they're, they're a little jealous. Um, so it depends how you use it. You know, there's power Apple users that an iPhone makes much more sense for. Um, but if you're not and you're, you know, you're not somebody who lives in iTunes and, uh, is really involved in that, uh, all of those technologies, then, uh, you may be better off with another device. So I urge everybody, Hey, just, take a look at everything and make that decision for yourself. Uh, exactly like I did. Um, but I will say one other thing that I, I'm not too crazy about, and this is very device specific, but my BlackBerry got me through an entire day, no problem on a single battery charge. And this device, you know, much larger screen, it's doing a lot more. It's a more powerful device and everything else. Uh, I have to, I have to make sure I hook it up during sometime sometime during the day uh and charge it because if not it usually will die somewhere along uh, my drive home so those two little things i think i can live with or at least adapt to um so yeah that's it loving the droid good good yeah (laughs) like i said i haven't really gotten there yet um and i my plan had been to go droid uh get the the droid x last time and i walked in and my my wife basically said you can get this or you can look for an iPad down the line and I thought mm, iPad <laughs> yeah sure so, hold out for the iPad you know, <laughs> hey go big I guess go big right right uh the, the other thing i wanted to mention is something that i did yesterday that was really just uh it was a lot of fun uh and that's uh, me and mark cockrell mark cockrell's my co-host for the tightwad uh tech uh we had an opportunity to go to a school district and teach teachers about podcasting and podcasting in the classroom and uh oh that's really cool yeah it really was uh this this school district uh had us come in and uh, you know a lot of school districts uh do professional development right around this time Uh, i know our district is as well and uh, all of our teachers are are uh you know getting uh different types of training and uh everything from classroom stuff to uh the grade book you know and uh so this uh school district near us uh not too far away maybe about 30 minutes away had us come in and uh, wanted us to teach their teachers how to podcast so we took all of our gear out there and we showed them uh we showed them everything from the high end you know kind of uh we've got a mixing board and multiple computers and all kinds of uh sophisticated gear uh, but we do that very cheaply. So we did show them how to do that and, uh, also took them down to, you know, you can do it for under a hundred dollars and actually have a very good, uh, product. So, uh, uh, got to do that, uh, give them their presentation. Uh, we recorded a short show and then we also had a chance to sit down and show them some of the tools and how to use them. And, uh, I was really excited because the first time I got to do hands on with teachers, uh, we presented a similar presentation at a conference one time and it was all presentation and we never actually got a chance to sit down and let teachers have hands-on experience with the gear so uh, it was a lot of fun yeah and i've said before i think actually when i was on the tightwad tech how amazing it is um how easy podcasting is and how valuable it is and and how few teachers actually go through with it or you know know how to do it so uh, that's pretty cool that you gave them that opportunity 
Well, and I think uh, part of the problem is teachers will like, you know, we may have a teacher listen to the show and they think this is all that podcasting is. It's basically talk radio, uh, but that's not the case at all. And so some of the things we highlighted were, you know, you can use a podcast to do, uh, uh, you know, your students can be doing book reports in podcast format. I mean, it's just another format to deliver uh, what they're already delivering. Uh, you can have them do kind of historical dramas and, you know, students will uh, much uh, in the same way that they use the iDevices, right? And they get all passionate about that. Uh, students can get passionate anytime you take a technology and tweak it a little bit. So if you, uh, if you have them, if you want them to learn more about George Washington, we'll have that student do the homework and be George Washington on the radio and have somebody else interview George Washington. And now they've got to come up with questions. What would I ask George Washington? And uh, there's a whole new depth of research that they have to do. So uh, uh, certainly uh, you can check out that little show. Uh, Not quite sure when we're going to be releasing that one, but all you have to really do is get out there on Google and Google podcasting and education, and you're going to find tons of resources and tons of ideas. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, John, you got anything else to add before we get to our guest? No, I I think Meg's ready to go. And I'm excited to hear about um, her use of iPods and iPads. So let's do it. Absolutely. Let's bring her on. Okay, so let's get to our guest, Meg Wilson. She's a special educator uh, with Amity Middle School, uh, and uh, she's been doing that for eight years, and I could go on and on and on, but I'm going to let Meg tell us about uh, about herself. Uh, so, Meg, uh, have at it. Who is Meg Wilson? Ah, Meg Wilson is uh, a fanatic about iPods and iPads and, and, and where they're going to take education, I guess. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I do a lot of, um, you know, I, obviously my day job is as an educator. I work in a special education. Um, we are, we have a very inclusive environment at our middle school, which is really great. Um, so this year I'll be, I'll be working with seventh and eighth graders and, um, the majority of my day consists of co-teaching where I get to go into the classroom, um, and really work with students of all abilities, which is, is really pleasant. I have to say, I really enjoy that part of my job. And occasionally I do some pullouts and work one-to-one with specific students to work on, you know, some specific skills. Um, but my focus has always been on assistive technology and how technology can really improve the lives of our students. Well, and you're clearly pretty good at it, too, because Apple uh, picked you out, too. You were awarded Apple Distinguished Educator for 2011, too, right? I was, which is quite an honor, I have to say. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's been a really fantastic experience so far. Well, Meg, in the in the interest of full disclosure, <laughs> uh, and I don't know if John filled you in. I I am a. No, I, uh, I wanted to see how you were gonna how you were gonna broach this subject. You wanted Sean. to see if I was gonna keep it keep it uh, in the closet, so to speak, right? <laughs> uh, Meg, uh, our listeners will know this about me, obviously. So uh, I'm really just filling you in. Uh, but I am a pronounced uh, Apple hater. <laughs> ah. Yeah. So it's I, I was. I was an interesting guest choice then. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've actually been looking forward to the show and not so much. I don't, I definitely don't want you to be on guard or anything like that because, uh, yeah. uh most hey, of my, everybody is entitled to their own opinion. That's right. Okay. Right. And, and as I tell, even uh, though yours is wrong, Sean, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, uh, I'll be in the minority today for, for sure. Uh, but, uh, I, I will say it's, uh, it's not so much towards the devices as it is the company. 
So oh, that's uh, interesting. So certainly, yeah, certainly keep that in mind. Yeah, and the the overall ethos of the of Apple. Um, but I, I I hate equally. I also hate Microsoft. <laughs> Basically, anybody who makes an OS. Oh. So uh, uh, so I'll I'll get that out there uh, to be sure. And you know maybe we can touch on that stuff later. Uh, it it probably be an interesting discussion. So. Uh, <laughs> So with that out of the way, let's go ahead and get to our discussion points. Uh, John, you want to lead her off? Yeah, you know, um, you do a lot of really cool things with iPods and iPads. And I personally think that the whole assistive technology piece is something that um, people tend to, to overlook with, with iPods and, and that kind of technology. But let's start right from the beginning. Um, for you, how did you start down that path? What ex- early experiences did you have that, made you realize that these devices were something that you could really use in the class? You know, I guess um, it was kind of interesting how I got started with the whole iPod bandwagon, I guess. Um, I, I personally had my own iPod many, many years ago. It was the old click wheel, you know, gray screen, nothing super fancy touchscreen or anything like that. But I just, I personally found it really powerful that I was, as a music lover, all of a sudden I was able to take my entire music library with me wherever I went and, and just I had that power to control my music at all times. And I personally found that really powerful. And so when I started teaching, of course, my iPod ended up in my classroom just really as a music player, um, sometimes with students, sometimes without them. Um, but really, it was just, you know, there as a music player. And um, when I joined, I, I, I re- originally started in special education in a self-contained classroom. Um, and when I moved to the public school arena, I saw very quickly um a need for for some sort of assistive technology. What I was seeing a lot of in the school district was that we had a lot of students who needed a reader, um, whether they had decoding issues and it was difficult to read or they had comprehension issues where they could actually read, but they weren't really understanding what they were reading. Um, we were making use of adults as readers, essentially. So um, especially when it came to assessments, we would, you know, pull a teacher or a paraprofessional or, you know, some adult would, would pull the student to the back of the classroom and they would quietly read to the student in front of everybody else, which is, you know, also distracting to the students surrounding that student that's being read to. Um, and of course, it singles out the student who um, needs the reader. And I really just, um, I just felt like there was a really something wrong with that whole scenario. I hated to walk into a classroom and see that going on or had to, you know, it just, it didn't seem right. So um, I thought, you know, well, I guess what I could do is I could just record things and put it on the iPod. And then, you know, the student kind of would be in control of if they wanted to hear something again, they could hit, you know, rewind. If they didn't need to hear it, they could skip over it. Um, and, it, you know, I thought that would be a really powerful way for the student to take a little bit of control and and not be singled out, so to speak. Um, but but the problem I actually had was iPods were banned in my district. So um, so it was actually a little bit of a battle. And, I, I you know, I was I have to say I was a little sneaky at first about trying it. Um, but I knew that if I could try it and it was successful, that I could kind of turn around to the district and show them some data and say, look, you know, this is a great, great assistive technology device for a lot of our students. And so that's really what I did is I kind of um, just went behind the scenes and I started doing this. And it was really just a, a really powerful thing right off the bat. I remember the first student I did it with, he really went from being that special ed kid in the back of the class to being that kid with the iPod. And so not only was he now in control of his own learning and taking ownership of what he needed to have, but he was also 
being seen as a different type of student in the classroom, which was even more powerful. Um, you know, all of a sudden kids wanted to know, hey, why does he get to have an iPod? You know, can I have an iPod too? And it was like, well, would you like your test read to you? And, and you know, surprisingly, a lot of the students said, yeah, I would love to have my test read to me. Um, and so quickly, you know, I saw not only the impact of his assistive technology device, but really just it was impacting students who were auditory learners and wanted to have the ability to try that type of technology. You know, whether it was cool or not, it was um, useful technology. So it really kind of led me to uh, fight the battle and break the ban at the school. And um, luckily, I had a special education administrator who stood behind me and bought, you know, a couple of nanos for me uh, many, many years ago. And we just kind of started playing around and and really just as the audio component. And we were loading up audio books for students and we were recording and podcasting and doing lots of neat stuff with just the audio components. And um, when the touchscreen iPad pods came out. It was like, oh, okay, this is a whole new world. Um, and all of a sudden, I just saw opportunities to help kids with executive functioning skills and being able to organize their information and, and have it all in their pocket at the same time. And, 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 you know, it all goes back to, it was a cool device. All of a sudden, these are kids that, you know, typically when we look at assistive technology, it's big, it's bulky, it's, um, it makes you stand out. It's really, um, you know, in my personal experience, before the iPod, I really hadn't seen any cool technology that, that, you know, was, it was, was really working for students in the world of assistive technology. So it was, um, really powerful to see that, um, you know, students in special education were actually being seen in a different light because they were, they were starting to use tools that everybody else was using. Um, and, and the great thing is that when they were using them, people didn't know exactly what they were using them for. So, um, you know, it was, it was personal and it was private, which was great for a lot of my students as well. So that's kind of how I got started. And it's, it's kind of exploded since then. Yeah. It, like you said, with, with the, the app store and, and the touchscreen stuff now, there's so much more out there. And, and I read blogs all the time. They have educational uses of iPods and iPads. And I, I've seen some things that, in my opinion, are kind of stretch, uh, a stretch. Like I read one blog not too long ago that was talking about using angry birds in the classroom because um, of logic and problem solving. And yeah, it kind of fits, but it's still angry birds. You know, it's still a game. <laughs> um, what what kind of apps have you used or that would you recommend that are really solely like assistive technology apps? Like it's not kind of hacking it a little bit to make it fit in the classroom, but have you found things that are specific that you really do find work well um, in like a special ed setting? Yeah, no, it was just, I wanted to comment on the Angry Birds piece is that, um, you know, I am a big believer in gaming and education, but I think it's all about, um, and I have to say in general, you know, any app that you choose, you know, and you're going to call educational, it's it's really about how you use it. Um, so if you're just handing over an iPod and be like, yeah, you guys can play Angry Birds, and uh, why don't you take a guess at what that trajectory is? Um, yeah, no, of course, that's not an educational purpose, but um, I, I happen to know of a teacher out in California, a math teacher, um, who, who does, he doesn't actually use the game itself the kids aren't playing the game but he will take screenshots um, and and he will actually do some really in-depth math problems surrounding um, you know angry birds essentially and so it's really not about the game itself it's about using the game to engage students and, and to show them that you know this game couldn't have been developed if you didn't have the skills and the knowledge the, the math skills that actually 
are behind this game. And so I, you know, I, I think regardless of the app that you're choosing to use, as long as you're using it in a way that works for your students, then, you know, it, absolutely it can be educational. Um, and especially in the world of special education, um, if you go to the app store and you look at, you know, just the quote unquote special ed apps, um, it's a horrible way to go about looking for apps. And in the world of assistive technology, I always try to remind people it's, it's not, um, and, it, and, that, and that's why it's really hard for me to recommend apps because it's, it is so individual, which is really honestly why I love the, the devices that it is so great to make each device what it needs to be for that student. Um, it's not a, Hey, everybody in the class, we're playing, you know, whatever it is. It, no, it's not about that. It's about what does the student need to do? And is this the tool to get the job done? What do, what do you need to learn? Is it going to teach you what you need to learn? What do you need to access? Does it allow you to access that? Um, so, in, so it, you know, when it comes to looking at apps, there's so many apps that I use um, that, you know, honestly, and, and here's a great example, uh, Talking Tom is a really silly app. It's a free app that essentially what it is, it's a, it's a talking cat that you can punch in the belly and it'll be like moaning and growing and you can purr it and pet it and and feed it milk. And it's a very silly, you know, recreational entertainment kind of app. Well, what's great about the app is that, you know, I worked with a student who didn't want to speak. Um, they, they weren't, you know, mute, but they did not like to speak to people, especially new people. They weren't confident in their voice. Um, and they, they just really had issues with speaking. And it really, it was impacting the student, um, educationally because they wouldn't participate in class. And it was just a really, um, it was a really big issue. Um, and so just kind of playing around one day and honestly just having fun, um, Talking Tom came up and I, and I, and I was like, Oh, have you seen this? And so I tried it. And so what happens with Talking Tom is when you talk to the cat, the cat repeats everything you say. So when I would say something, the cat would say right back to me. And I noticed the student was like giggling, like, Oh, this is kind of funny. And I was like, you try it. And then the student did. Well, that app actually got the student talking in class. They it really improved the student's confidence. Um, we started recording things that the student was saying and letting letting them listen back and and kind of getting used to 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 talking essentially. Um, and it really opened up a lot of doors for that student. Um, and at the same time, there's actually a whole slew of these like talking characters that they have um, from that company. And one of them is Talking Rex the dinosaur. Um, and so. I found actually a really interesting use for, for talking Rex at one point as well. I had a student who um, was on the autism spectrum and had a slight obsession with dinosaurs. Um, and so, and, and the, uh, and the biggest thing that impacted the student in the classroom was his um, refusal to follow directions, um, which was, you know, obviously it's, that's not just a problem for that student that impacts your entire classroom when you always have a student who will not do what you've asked them to do. Um, for whatever reason. And so we found a really great way around this because he loved dinosaurs and just would, you know, was in love with dinosaurs. Everything, everything that had to do with dinosaurs was great. Um, so we just started recording directions on talking Rex. And instead of a teacher giving directions, the dinosaur gave directions. And all of a sudden, this, you know, the student was more than happy to do anything that the dinosaur asked. Um, and so, you know, even these silly apps can really actually impact um, students with special needs in, in a whole variety of ways. But at the same time, there are a lot of really specific special education apps. If you look at something like Proloquo to Go, um, which is an AAC app, it's a communication app. This right here, I mean, this, this is 
is the type of app that is not only a game changer for special education, this is a life changer for students because what you can do, and for families on that, that matter too, um, if you, if you have a, a, you know, a son or a daughter that needs an assistive technology device that to communicate, these AAC devices can run upwards of six, seven thousand dollars. These are not cheap devices, but they are a necessity for, for somebody to communicate and you can't go without that. It's not, you know, how, how dare we ever ask somebody to not be able to communicate something that's going on. And so for families to have to put out this money or school districts or insurance companies or whoever's paying for these devices, they're really, really expensive. And on top of it, they are not cool. When you walk around with an AAC device, it is an attention grabber and not in a good way. It actually will, it, it really turns people away. They're like, oh, okay, that's going to be interesting. I don't want to have to deal with that. And it can be really, really tricky sometimes. And so now that you look at, you know, something like an iPod touch, you know, which you can get for 200 bucks or, um, or an iPad for $500 and you add ProLoquo to go, which yeah, it's a $180 app. Well, still, if you look at the iPad with ProLoquo to go for now for under, you know, $800, you can actually have an AAC device that, that is a fantastic communication device and does everything else an iPad can do and is acceptable by your peers and by society. And I found that students that are using the iPad now or the iPod Touch as a communication device, it's not like, when you know, especially with other students, they're not like, oh, what is that guy doing over there? Now students want to, they run over to you. Well, what is that? What are you doing? And they're interested. It's an app. It's cool. What are you doing with it? Show me. Oh my gosh, that lets you talk. That's cool. And all of a sudden that, you know, that's so, it's just, so powerful to see that social impact for students but um but you know very specifically that student now has a voice and you know is happy to use that voice so um you know yeah there's a lot of really great specific you know quote unquote special ed apps but um i have to say a lot of the apps i use really are not quote unquote special ed apps so it, it all comes down to what does the student need does it get the job done is it the, is it the right tool you know to get the job done so it's really individual and, and you know different for every kid. I have to, I have to speak to my own experience with the, uh, uh, the assistive technologies. I had to work on one last year for a student who, um, I think he probably was born with a pretty severely cleft palate, but uh, could not really speak. I mean, the, the people who are around him daily could understand him, you know, but, mm -hmm. uh, but otherwise, uh, he didn't have a way to really communicate. And, uh, this, he was in high school and he never really wanted or, or kind of, uh, wanted to do any sort of sign language. He just was not interested in it at all. And they tried to work with him with that. And he had the, the co-op who does all of our special ed stuff and they get a lot of money and they bought one of those really expensive devices. And, uh, the thing broke and they brought it to me, uh, to try to get it back up and running. And, and I did, but then, uh, in the, over the course of that, I got a chance to kind of play with it. Right. And see, and it was one of these things where, uh, you know, it has little icons for each word and you can go in and, and type out your sentences essentially, and it'll speak for you. And mm -hmm. one, I have to say, I mean, th this was, like you said, I mean, this device was a few thousand dollars and, uh, it, it had the most horrible voice, right? The, the old, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the old computer, you know, the, the first time, the first generation, uh, computer voice is what this thing mm -hmm. had. And, I, and that was a, immediately what struck me is we have, 
uh, so much better voices from one already. So it didn't have that. And then two, it wasn't a very intuitive interface and it was kind of big and bulky. It was certainly bulkier than an iPad or something like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, well, yeah, and if you think about you think about throwing it on an iPod Touch and how I mean, even better, you just, you slide that in your pocket. Right. I mean, that easy is that to carry around. So, and it does, re- like you said, it removes some of the stigma of of seeing someone coming towards you and not knowing what that big clunky device is that they have uh, in front of them. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I mean, I, I really I can't stress this point enough. You know, I'm not. Um, of course, I think, you know, engaging students with these devices is great, but, you know, I, I definitely have issues when people say that the only reason they want to use these devices in the classroom are for engagement purposes. Um, but, you know, at the same time, when you look at students with special needs, um, and this is a, this is not just something that would enhance their learning or enhance their ability to interact with students in the classroom. This is a necessity. And when you have a necessity that you don't want to use, that will impact you in just so many ways. So to give students a device that they want to use, that they want to show other people they're using, I mean, I really just, that component is such, um, it's, it really is, it's so important. And I think we, we often forget that, you know, um, you know, how it, how it feels for a lot of our students to have to be singled out by using assistive technology. Um, to have a device that is so socially acceptable is, is, is an impact I can't describe. It really, it's so, it's, it's really powerful. So that Proloco to Quo is actually one I've looked up before. I, I've seen that. Um, and like you said, it's 180 something dollars. So the cost, it's so much more uh, cost effective than, than buying one of these big devices. But I don't want to spend $180. So let's talk free for a minute. If you had to give us like the, your top three best apps, best free apps, like I'm going to go and I'm going to download right now while you're talking, what, what would they be? Um, well, I guess, you know, I have to, I, I mean, I have to absolutely be honest straight from the start. I hate recommending apps. I really do because, you know, it all goes back to my belief, which is that it's, it's what do you need? What do you, what do you need an app to do? Um, just to, you know, blindly recommend apps is kind of like, Oh, against, you know, my assistive technology beliefs, so to speak. But um, at the same time, I guess if I was going to look at, you know, any, you know, kind of general great education apps that um, if you're an educator looking to, um, you know, find something that's useful or if you're a student in the classroom, um, you know, well, I guess I'll, I will, I will say, I'll give you four actually right off the top of my head. So the first one is going to be the App Store. And I have to say that the App Store is really is is one of my favorite apps. And I spend a lot of time there because it's where I find more apps, essentially. It's kind of like that, you know, like if, if you had like one wish from a genie, what would you wish for? More wishes. Well, that's why right. I love the App Store. It's like it, more apps, and, you know. And so I'm always in there learning and, and, and discovering new things and seeing what's available. And, um, you know, and it gives me the opportunity to say, hey, did you see this? Is anybody using this? And um, so I just I love spending time in the App Store app store app but that being said um, the app I find I use probably most often with students of all abilities is actually the iBooks app and um, so you can you of course can off um, you can download a whole bunch of free books through the iBooks app which is a free app um, you know anything that's on the public domain is available for free download and of course you can purchase books as well um, but why one of the reasons I really love iBooks is that I um, I can I can either make my own iBooks book or I can have students make their own iBooks, um, which is really a powerful tool because, you know, if you just go and buy a book in the 
in the actual iBook store, um, it's going to be a text-based book. You might have some pictures, and um, they've added children's book recently where they have lovely, you know, really, you know, beautiful art that's now part of the iBooks. But when you make your own iBook, you can make it multimedia. You can embed video. You can have audio as a component. You can have text. You can have things hyperlinked to the web. It's a really powerful tool. So, um, you know, I've made my, I've, I've made things where, you know, if we're going to start a unit and you want to have all these resources available, well, I can, I can write the directions for the unit in text. I can record it so that, you know, if I have auditory learners or kids who have to have a reader, they have the audio available if they want it. I can include a little demo video or, or I can, you know, pull something off iTunes U that is a great intro video to the unit. I mean, you can just make these things be anything you want. It's a great way to assess what kids know, you know, if they want to if they want to do a video, if they want to, you know, record something, if they want to type something out and then and to put it on your device and take it with you um, in the iBook format is so cool. When you see it like sitting on your little bookshelf, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I made that. That's really cool. Um, that's really neat for students, too, because, you know, that power of publishing is so, so important to so many students today. So I love the iBooks app. Um, and I just think that the possibilities with iBooks is just endless. So I love, love that app. Um, and then personally, as an educator, I could not live without the TED app. Are you guys big TED talkers? Oh, I, I was actually, I was um, doing dishes right before we got on with you and I actually had it, my iPad propped up so I could watch TED. I was just flipping through watching random videos. <laughs> yeah, great awesome. stuff. I love of the TED app. It's a fantastic way to, you know, um, to just to get motivated about education, to feel refreshed about education, to get great ideas. Um, and so I, I love that app personally. I think that's great. And I actually, um, I've turned a few students onto the TED app too, which I find really interesting because I always kind of see it as an adult thing. Um, but I actually have an eighth grader that loves the TED app. <laughs> They're always coming in, hey, did you see this? <laughs> um, which is really cool. So I love the TED app. And then um, I think another really great overall educator um, and student app is Evernote, which is a free app. And you can do photo notes and text notes. And um, it's just a really great way to kind of um, synchronize information and, and keep it in one place. And I think that they did a really great job um, with the services they have up for free. You can do like an upgraded premium experience, but um, I know so many people who are making fantastic use of the, the Evernote app. So that's another really great app. And all free. Yeah, it, actually, uh, quick story with the iBooks, I actually, my, my school is also one kind of like you said with yours at the beginning that it just bans everything. Um, so mm -hmm. we can't have our iPads out or iPods or any of that. And, um, last year I was doing a, a silent read every day. We have a, a 15 minute silent reading, uh, time where the kids basically just sit there and read and we do the same. And I downloaded iBooks and I wanted to play with it a little bit. And I think I downloaded, it was Call of the Wild because it's one of the ones that are in the open domain or the, the free open domain. And, mm -hmm. um, I was sitting with my iPod touch and I was flipping through reading it and it took a few minutes and all of a sudden one of the kids went, Hey, you can't do that. And I said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm reading. And they kind of looked at me and went, Oh, and then went right back. So these are things that they know they exist. <laughs> they just haven't, you know, uh, it, it hasn't really been embraced yet by, by education, which is too bad because they are. I mean, all four of those you mentioned are, are great, uh, resources for, for teachers. Yeah, and you know, if you're if you're in a Mac based school um and you work with um you know desktops or laptops that are, are Mac and have pages, um which is essentially um the Apple version of Microsoft Word. Um, I like to say it's like Microsoft Word on steroids because it's like just a really powerful tool and there's some really great things built into that software. Um, but if you, if you have pages, it's so easy to make iBooks. I can't even tell you. It is just drag and drop whatever you want to make. 
make. And it just really, you know, I think that schools in the whole EPUB format in general, and there's lots of different ways that you can create EPUBs. There's lots of online free services. Um, it's not like you have to have a Mac to do it. Um, and even like, you know, something like .epub, um, if you go to .epub.com, you can actually create like a little weblet on your iPad or iPhone, and you can take any of your online content and quickly add it to iBooks. And this is really powerful too, because uh, I mean, I, a lot I know in my school, we're always um, we have a lot of teachers that love to teach with current events and they're like finding articles online and they're having students like, oh, pull up this article and take a look. Well, for a lot of our students, when you pull up a, you know, an online article to read, you're competing with a lot of information. When you go to the internet, there, you are, you know, for some of our students, it's very overwhelming to look at that much information. You have ads, you have pop-ups, there are things on the left and right, there are, you know, things underlined and hyperlinked to other information that you're not interested in. Um, and so dot EPUB actually within like four clicks you can take any online article on your you know on your iDevice and you can send it into iBooks and so the great thing you know and one of the reasons that I love iBooks as an e-reader because there are you know a good 500 e-reader apps out there um, but the reason that I love iBooks is because of how many built-in tools and how easily accessible they are for our students. So you can, if you need the font enlarged, you can, you have control of that. If you want a different type font, which is really important for a lot of our students with print disabilities, if they, you know, some fonts are difficult to read, so they have control of a font that works for them. You know, you can choose even things like the page colors, at white, is it sepia? Um, you know, you can flip it to high contrast if you need. And then at the same time, you have built-in dictionaries, you click on a word, you can get the you can get information you can even go search it in the web if you want to find out more about a topic you can highlight in five different colors which is you know fantastic you know hey we've even i've even done you know grammar um stuff you know if we read of mice and men recently and i have issues when we you do like you know, in language arts, you're like, okay, we're going to read this book. And now, okay, now we're going to use this workbook to do grammar. It's like, no, grammar's in the book that they're reading. Like, just use it. So, you know, even as simple as go, go locate all your proper nouns and, and, and highlight them in pink. Um, all your verbs in, in blue. Um, you know, find your prepositions in green, whatever it is. So, you know, there's so many different ways that you can use the highlighting besides just note taking. And then there is a whole note taking component of iBooks too. So to be able to go to the web and take an article and flip it into iBooks instead of reading it on the web, I mean, and literally you can do it in like 15 seconds it takes to send it over. It is so unbelievably quick. And then now you have all these tools available for your student to to take notes and to make really better use of how they read this article and you don't have the distracting ads on the side and, you know, pop-ups popping up. So, and, you know, iBooks, I think, is one of these apps that is just going to get better and better as schools start to see the, how important this EPUB format really is. Hopefully they start to see that. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Well, and that's that's a, a battle that uh, is still playing out is uh, publishing formats and what's going to work with what. Um, uh, I guess before I go on to the next question, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, I mean, those those types of formatting problems uh, really shoehorn uh, districts or, you know, into specific devices. Um, do you do you feel like that's well, a problem that or? No, you know, and I think that's the great thing about the EPUB format. You know, EPUB is not is not an Apple format. EPUB is is will work with anything that can read an EPUB. So um, there are EPUB readers for free online. You know, you can make an ebook online and read it online. Right. Um, or so EPUB is device, you know, right. Yeah, <laughs> or or you can have a device. Yeah. Right. I mean, but but people are you know reading e EPUBs on Droids and all kinds of other devices. It's not that you have to have a device. To, you know, well, obviously you have to have some kind of electronic device, of course, to do it. Um, but you know, the EPUB format is 
you know, the really when it when you look at EPUB, really what it is is it's flowable text. That's essentially what it means. And so by having flowable text, you can put it in something like an e-reader, and and it gives the the reader the ability to change the size of the font, um, and not you know like obviously if you have a hundred words on a page and you make your your words larger, well then all of a sudden maybe you only have fifty words on a page. So if you didn't have that EPUB format to continue to push the other words to the next page and just renumber the book automatically, um, you know essentially what would happen is if you enlarge the text, you'd be scrolling and zooming left to right, which is not comfortable reading for anybody. Um, and so really that that's really when it comes down to it, that's all the EPUB format is, is just flowable text. Um, and iBooks is just happens to be one of the many ways that you can read EPUB formats. Um, and, and, you know, so I, I feel like anybody who's up in arms about EPUB, it, it, that's just, it's, it's really silly because it, it's, it's kind of, an, it's an international standard and it's not specific to any one device. Um, and that's what's really cool about it. Um, of course, I'm I'm preferential to to Apple products, and so I'm I happen to make mine with Pages because it is super easy. And you know, I just drag and drop my book over to my iTunes, and you know, it's good to go. Or you can even um, a lot of times what I do is I'll use Dropbox and I'll upload. You know, especially if I'm an embedded video and it kind of gets to be a large file, I'll throw it in Dropbox and just give people the link, and then they just download it themselves. Or you know, if you can email it to somebody, and you know, they can they can access access it that way. So I think it's really kind of silly if anybody's up in arms about the EPUB format. There's it doesn't exclude people. So I just I just feel like it's just something people don't know enough about. Well and that that's why I wanted to mention it because I think uh there's a lot of districts out there that got into uh ebook readers early and they got into devices that did have proprietary formats. And <laughs> now so stuck. right now, EPUB's the, the big thing, right? And, and it really is what needed to happen is there needs to be some sort of universal format, uh, much like Adobe Reader, right? Adobe. And as mm-hmm, much as people mm-hmm. will complain about Adobe, uh, that's one great thing that Adobe did is they made it so that, you know, you could, anybody could open these documents and, and read them. And, uh, so EPUB's kind of accomplishing the same thing. But if you ended up, on, uh, you know, investing in a bunch of other devices, all of a sudden now you're like, well, we don't like EPUB. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it definitely happens. And I guess, uh, that leads right into my next question because it's kind of the, the early adoption question, uh, to some degree. Uh, but, uh, when iPads and, and even the iPod touches when they first came out, uh, a lot of people in education were saying, you know, these are big game changers. This is going to change the way that I teach, the way that the kids learn. And, uh, I, I'm curious, uh, you know, do you agree with that? And if so, uh, give some examples. You know, what exactly is it about these devices that uh, that's going to change the way uh, education operates? Well, you know, I, I absolutely think that they're a game changer, and for for so many different ways. I mean, I think it's it's um, it's funny. I was actually. Um, talking to somebody recently and, it, and I was kind of looking at some of the presentations I've done just in the last year and, and just about a year ago um, or maybe maybe two years ago I was saying I would start off presentations by saying you know what education it, it's it's ready for a change we need to change education and and it needs its time education is going is going to change and these devices can help and then I started switching it up and then it was you know what we're, we're, we're experiencing change we're in this change right now. It's, it's happening. The change 
I'm just coming. And then now I find, you know what, like it's already happened. Like it's, this has already been a game changer for so many different reasons. Um, of course, the special education side of me loves that these are individualized devices, that, that one of the reasons that this is going to change education is because they are so individual. I have, I can't even, I mean, I, I just, when you look at all these industries around the world, everything has changed except education. When you look at our classrooms and you compare them from like to the 1940s, like go Google a picture from the 1940s. You're going to see students sitting in rows in desks, facing one teacher standing at the classroom, teaching everybody the same thing. And yes, there are teachers that are not doing that, but generally speaking, that is still the model for most of educators in America right now. You come in, you sit, and you get the material I'm telling you. It's the sit and get model, and then spit it out when we're done. And we don't even care if you actually learned it or memorized it, we don't care. As long as you pass a test, that is all that matters. And this is, I mean, I mean, the fact that you can compare education in, you know, today to the 1940s and see such little change is so disturbing to me. When you hand out, you know, eye devices, all of a sudden, I mean, this, the impact of this has been so profound. I mean, I just think about, okay, so we were reading of Mice and Men, and here I am in an eighth grade English classroom of students of all abilities. I have students who can't read. I have students that are functioning on a fourth grade level, and I have students that read at a 12th grade level and love to read. I mean, I had such a range of abilities. I have students that are auditory learners. I have students that need to discuss information as they read it to understand it. Um, I, you know, I have students that, you know, don't mind reading if they could read at home in their bed because it's comfortable. I mean, so you, you know, all of a sudden, it, when you give students the opportunity to use a device that lets them tailor learning to how they learn, you see an investment in their own learning like you've never seen before. And that alone is a game changer. To see eighth graders interested in, in reading of Mice and Men because they got to choose how they read it. And, you know, we had students reading in small groups that were reading and discussing and, and talking about it as they go. We had students that were like, crawled up in a ball underneath a desk in a corner, you know, just with headphones on, listening to the audiobook as they're following along in the book. Um, it was, it's just, it's amazing to see when you give students choice and opportunity to individualize it to what they needed to be, all of a sudden it was easier to access that information. I mean, Of Mice and Men isn't an easy book to read for many students. You know, that's, it's, there's a lot of tricky topics. There's a lot of tough vocabulary. Um, it takes place in a setting that, you know, a lot of our students don't know about. And that was all, that was all kinds of interesting. I actually, I was co-teaching the class and, um, and, and the student wanted to look up some information, um, about where, where this book was like taking place. And so the, the other English teacher in the room walks by and she's like, we didn't tell you who could be on the internet. And she got so upset because the kid was on the internet. And I was like, what, what's going on? So I look over and I was like, well, what are you doing? So the kid is researching the background of the book. How are you going to be mad at that? The kid wanted to take the learning to what he needed it to be. He needed to know more about about what was going on in that time period, in that place, so that he could understand the book. And he had the tool to do it right there underneath his desk and where he was comfortable. Um, and so, you know, you just look at that individual component and personalizing education um, instead of, you know, making it institutionalized where, hey, listen, everybody's going to sit here. Um, everybody's gonna, you know, you know, read with me, follow along right now, um, you know, read on your own, whatever it is. 
it, you know, when you give students choice, you see an investment in their own learning. And um, I mean, and honestly, my view of education, if we can get students to love to learn, we really don't need to learn. We don't need to worry about much else about that. The content will follow. If you can get students to love learning, they'll be lifelong learners. Um, I didn't love learning growing up. I was, I was a student that I knew I had to do well enough, but you know what? I also knew that I didn't have to put in 110% to get by, that, you know what, bees were perfectly acceptable and I could fly just fine doing that and doing absolutely minimal to get them. It wasn't until I took, you know, my own investment in my learning as an adult that I, I love to learn because all of a sudden I got to choose how I was learning. And even now with iDevices, I find I'm learning like all the time, you know, I, I, I save things all the time to my Instapaper account. And when I'm at, you know, I'm in line at the grocery store waiting, I'm pulling up all kinds of articles and learning all kinds of stuff because I want to, because it works for me. And it, it, it's just how I learn. So um, if we can give students the opportunity to love learning, you know, I think that's one of the greatest things that we can do as educators. So absolutely. I mean, for a million reasons, this is definitely changing education. Uh, so to follow up on that, uh, and I'll start by saying, you know, in our district, uh, we, we've gone one-to-one -one across, uh, pretty much across the board now, uh, but we've done that with other devices, laptops and uh, desktop machines and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and the only way we're able to accomplish that is because of uh, essentially the affordableness of, uh, or, or how affordable those devices are. Uh, now, uh, the iDevices are quite a bit more expensive. And uh, so we were faced with a situation where if somebody wanted something like that, we couldn't really, it was like to put a device like that in a child's hand would take two or maybe even three other devices out of other children's hands, you know, mm -hmm. so to speak. So I'm curious uh, on your, you know, what your take is on that. Is the cost for the these devices uh, justified? Uh, certainly from a hardware standpoint, and I'm a tech guy, uh, I know that they are absolutely top of the line uh, as far as engineered uh, and user interface, definitely. And this is why they, they have such a great name. But uh, uh, is that cost justified? Um, personally, I think it is. I mean, if you look at, at, at what we... You know, as, if you look at where we spend our money in school districts, um, I just, I, I have this fantastic picture that I love to show my board of ed. Um, from last year, you know, at the end of the summer every year, we get our paper delivered, you know, for the year. We get all this paper that comes in and it's like this mountain of paper that takes them like, you know, like three weeks to deliver throughout the district. And, um, so I have this picture of this mountain of paper. Um, and, and, you know, if you, if you know budgets, you know, um, just paper alone, what you spend on paper is in absolutely insane in, in school districts. And then you look at textbooks. You look at things like maps and globes in every single classroom, you know, those big pull-down maps that we love to have and, and hardly ever use. Those are like $500 or something ridiculous. And you know what? They're all outdated because they're not updated and because you, you can't afford to update them. You know, encyclopedias and, and all this stuff that we spend money on, you can either get those tools free you know, your scientific calculator, you didn't have to spend $60. It's a free app on the iPad. Um, you know, you can find a lot of these tools built in or, or much more affordable in electronic format, um, by, by using these devices. So I have to say when, you know, it's all about where you choose to spend your money in a school. And if you start looking at things, um, in, in different ways and, and how you can, 
spend the money you have. Um, and, 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 you know, and I think that's, you know, that's one of the battles I always have with my district is I'm always trying to, you know, they're like, but we need paper. I'm like, well, do you need paper? What, I mean, like this, there are schools that are paperless. So it's not, you know, obviously, no, you don't need paper. You're, you're making the choice to, to use paper and to use it, you know, rather obnoxiously, I might add, you know, why does every teacher who teaches a PowerPoint have to hand the student a piece of paper. Why not just give the student who who needs the piece of paper because that's how they learn the option to have it and then do it as you need it instead of just printing out, you know, 500 copies just in case every student, you know, wants one. It's 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 about what how you're choosing to use your money and and so when I look at, you know, our district and some of the changes that we've made um, and I know that my superintendent wholeheartedly agrees with me, which was, you know, I always find that as like, you know, like I have to give myself a pat on the back for that because this is a guy that he used to say to me, he's like, every time I, sh- every time I showed up at his door, he would roll his eyes and he'd be like, okay, Meg, what do you need? <laughs> and, uh, and he would, and he, he would say to me, he'd be like, okay, when I see you, when I see you coming, there are two thoughts in my head crazy and expensive <laughs> and so you know this was a guy that was he was because i mean here i am i'm in a i'm in a district that from the start we're a pc district they didn't like the whole apple thing to begin with they were apple haters they didn't want to go there and you know like what do you mean you no know, we banned ipods what do you mean you're using ipods we didn't say you could do that you know i was in hot water for a long time it, it really took a lot of data collection and and analyzing what the school was doing and saying you know well Look, if you didn't do this, this, and this, you could do this, this, and this. And so, you know, we're certainly, um, we are still, I would, you know, we're still a PC district, honestly, but, but this year we are piloting, you know, one-to-one programs in all of the schools within the district, you know, and all of a sudden to see my superintendent who was so adamantly, you know, against what we were doing and, and mainly because of the cost reason, um, to be able to turn him around to the point where, you know, I was, like, I was so honored. He asked me to come and speak to, um, to, uh, you know, a couple of superintendents and throughout Connecticut to, to kind of show them what, you know, what the district was doing and how we were saving money by using these devices. And, and, and not only that, you know, I think there's a bigger picture at hand too. When you look at mobile learning, regardless of what device you're using, you know, this, I, I mean, my belief is that is where education is going. I think we are going to be breaking down the walls of our classrooms. We're going to make these learning experiences extended beyond these classroom walls. Um, I'm, when I look at my own learning now, it does, it never takes place in a classroom. I'm never learning in the classroom. I'm at, I'm at a picnic table outside. I'm on my back deck. I'm, you know, in the line of the grocery store. I'm, I'm anywhere I want to be and I have access to learn and to, and, and, you know, not only do I have access to learn, but I can learn from experts around the world. Why do I have to listen to my English teacher who doesn't really even like Of Mice and Men teach Of Mice and Men? There is somebody out there who loves Of Mice and Men, and they're going to be so enthusiastic. I'm going to want to learn just because they love Of Mice and Men. Why can't I learn from them instead of the person who's only teaching it because somebody told them to teach it? You know, to have mobile learning and have that ability to learn from whoever, whenever, wherever, that is so, that is definitely where education is going. And um, when you just look at that piece, you know, we need to start thinking that way and gearing schools for that, that reason. And, and so, you know, if you're, if you're not an iPod, iPad person, there are lots of other mobile devices, but I think more and more, that's what we're going to, and even if you're in the bring your own device, you know, BYOD, bring your own device in. Uh, I personally have to say, if I went to a conference and I walked into the conference and they were like, I'm going to need your iPhone and your iPad. And here, you can use this device for the day. 
I'd be like, heck no, uh-uh, this is all my stuff, I'm ready to go, this is how I learn, this works for me. But we do that to students every single day. What? Nope, put that away, you're not using that. But here, you can use our device. Why? What's wrong with their device? That's that's what they know, it's what they love, it's what they use. Um, you know, so, so I think, you know, definitely when it comes to the, is the cost justified, in my opinion? Absolutely, but it's not about adding a cost, it's about replacing a cost. Now, here's my question for you, though, and you kind of already answered it. Um, it seems like this is the wave of the future. This is where we're going. And and I agreed with that for the most part. But it's really hard to get a good perspective when we're right in the middle of it now. And I was thinking back um, when I was in seventh grade. So this would have been like early, early 90s. Um, I remember my, fr remember my French teacher coming in, um, wheeling this big thing down the, the hall. It was a big TV uh, cart. And she showed us the first laser disc player that our district had bought. And this was going to be the next big thing. Kids check out this <laughs> giant disc. It's, it's got all this great information on it. It's got videos and I could do quizzes and, and I'm sure they paid an astronomical amount. And after that one class, I never saw a laser disc again in my life. So it, it must be tucked <laughs> away someplace. I don't know. Um, but that's one of those things. I mean, it, I'm not necessarily saying that's going to happen with, you know, with mm -hmm. mobile devices because you're right. Like education is just more global now. And that's just the way it is. So it mm -hmm. makes sense that we're going to need technology that helps us reach that that global audience um, and that pool of global resources. But um, how do we know that there isn't something bigger and better coming next? Because I'll be honest, like when I saw the iPod touch a few years back, I thought, oh, this thing, this is, I need to get a whole set of these and this is going to be awesome. And then um, when I got uh, wind of the iPad, I, that, I thought, screw iPod touches. I want an iPad now. Like, how do we know that there isn't <laughs> something bigger coming up down the line? So in your opinion, is this a fad that's leading to something bigger or are we in the future now? Is this what our kids will be doing someday when they're in school? Um, you know, is mo I think mobile learning is not a fad at all. Um, are the devices that we're using? Absolutely, they're a fad. Every piece of technology we come out is going to get better. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be better. It's going to be more awesome. We're going to want the next thing. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, that's why um, as much as I love the devices, and I, and I do love these devices, um, but it's not about the device. They're a tool to, to access mobile learning. So mobile learning certainly is not a fad. And we're, we're definitely going to see mobile learning is certainly the future. Um, but the device that we're going to be using for mobile learning is absolutely going to continue to change. Um, and, and, and we want it to, in all honesty. I mean, yeah, it sucks that it's not cost effective, especially how quickly technology is moving, you know, because, you know, by the time people could afford to buy iPad 1, iPad 2 was out. And then it was like, oh, my gosh, now there's iPad 2. Well, you know what? iPad 3 is coming and iPhone 5 is coming and the next iPod is coming. Yeah, of course. And the next Droid is coming. And, and of course, all these devices are going to continue to come out and they're going to continue to get better. And people are going to, you know, and of course want to go out and buy them and so does the cost piece kind of suck yeah absolutely but at the same time we don't want to be stagnant with technology we want to have new ideas we want to have innovation we want to get better and and move quickly through this I mean that you know we we, we do want that I, mean, I don't think anybody wants to be like okay yeah, we got the iPad. We're all set with education for the rest of our lives. We don't need to do any more because you know what? I'm constantly, I write to Apple all the time and say, Hey, can I have this on my iPad? Can I, why can't I do this? Wouldn't it be great if I could do this? Hey, a student said, uh, they were trying to do this and they couldn't. I'm always asking Apple to, to, to fix things, to upgrade things, to make things better. I mean, as much as I love the devices, there's definitely things I wish that they could do or, or do differently. Um, and so, 
Is, is, is the device a fad? I'll definitely say the device is a fad. It's going to get better. It's going to keep going. Um, I have, I personally, as an Apple lover, have full faith that Apple will continue to lead the way in mobile learning and that their devices, um, are going to continue to be top notch. But, but yeah, they're going to, the devices are absolutely going to change. And, um, and for school districts, that, that is tough. And I think that's why so many people are starting to kind of, you know, explore this idea of bring your own device. And, you know, students already have mobile learning devices and, and maybe we should just stop spending our money on devices and start tapping into what students already have, um, and, and supplementing the students who don't have them. So I think that's, you know, a really big topic in education right now because of, you know, the cost effectiveness and, and the constant change of technology. But I think Think, you know, obviously any one of us would be silly to sit here and be like, nope, it's it's the iPad forever because, you know, there's definitely it's going to get, you know, when you look at things like augmented reality and virtual reality, I mean, these these are technologies that are becoming more and more prevalent. Um, and, you know, augmented reality is really cool on the iDevices, but it, it could be better. It will be better. It, it's going to get better. So. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess I would say that the, the device, yeah, probably a fad cause it'll, it'll, it'll get better. It'll change. It'll be different. Um, you know, if we have this conversation at the same time next year, I'm sure that, you know, we'd be like, oh man, can we, can we believe that the iPad two was the best thing back then? Can you believe what we have now? You know, you about iPad four. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but I, but when it comes to looking at, you know, mobile, mobile learning, I think absolutely that is the future of education that, um, and, and if it's, and if we're not gearing that way, then we're really not prepping kids for the real world because that's the world that, that, that is operating right now. I mean, when you look at big businesses, um, they're using mobile devices. That is, you know, GE is, is, is such an interesting company because they've, they've kind of gone mobile and now they make their own apps for their own devices and their business goes where they go. And, and they're just one of many, you know, the medical field is using mobile devices. I mean, I just read this fin- fantastic article about, um, there's a doctor who is now Skyping in and using FaceTime to, to actually deal with patients who can't leave their homes. Um, and so instead of that doctor having to drive out there, you know, they're, they're being able to make quick assessments on, on, uh, by visually seeing the patient and asking questions and hearing the patient. Um, and, and seeing if they do need to make a trip out to the house before they just go to go. So um, this is the world that we're, lear- you know, living in. And if we're not prepping students to be mobile learners and to deal with people in the global community, then, you know, we're just not doing our job as educators. Personally, I think. <laughs> awesome, awesome stuff, Meg. Uh, yeah, and I, I, you're right. I mean, regardless of what device you uh, you get, it's uh, it's always going to age. That's just the nature mm-hmm. of technology. So it is. Unfor- I mean, and it is. We're all like, oh, but we don't want to buy the next device. But you know what? We do. <laughs> we never want to say like, no, stop, because of course, you know. That's just, you know, and that's essentially what we're, we're, you know, we're trying to get kids interested in science and math because, you know, we need the, we need them to be the people that go out and continue to be innovators and make these devices better and how we interact with these devices and how we learn with these devices. And, um, you know, so of course we want to, you know, encourage innovation and, and better technology, but uh, you, you, yeah, at the same time, we're all like, man, that gets expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, I have a whole shelf of old iPods that I've slowly worked my way through. Like you mentioned the old Nanos. I have one of those and I kind of feel bad looking at it because it used to be like my prized possession and now I, I, it hasn't powered on in three years. It's like, it's <laughs> yeah. like Woody from the Toy Story. 
Right. Well, you know, right. at the same time, I could say, you know, because I have like lots of Absolutely. old devices that are actually still working. And, but, you know, um, I, it was funny because for a while when I moved to the touchscreen, I was like, oh, what are these guys? I don't need these guys anymore. Who cares about the shuffle now? You know, <laughs> like, and so I had, um, so for a little while, I actually had just a bunch of devices kind of sitting there. And I was like, okay, this is actually kind of stupid because I have a lot of kids who, um, are picking up the iPod touch because they, just because they want the audiobook. Um, so, you you know, it, it, it also kind of just was a good reminder to me that um, I kind of got caught up in the little fad myself and quickly threw away my old devices um, instead of just really kind of reminding myself that the device was about a tool. It was a tool to get a job done. So if a tool is that a student needs audio, those are still great tools. And so, um, you know, so I actually I load those up at all times. And those are the ones that I just, you know, if you want to sign it out and take it home for the weekend to help you get some reading done or to enjoy whatever, you go right ahead. So um, it was also a kind of a good reminder to me that, you know what, they're still good. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, go ahead, John. I was going to say, Meg, everything, this is a fantastic conversation and it really does kind of open, um, open the door to a lot of possibilities. So we wanted to thank you for, uh, for coming on today and sharing that with us. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, definitely, Meg. And uh, we'll we'll have to do it again. Like you said, technology always ages. So uh, I, I have no doubt that uh, probably 12 months down the road, you'll have uh, a whole lot more to tell us about. So uh, we'll we'll look to get you on again. <laughs> great. That sounds great. All right. Well, uh, we will uh, we'll let Meg go and get uh, started uh, on the rest of the show. So, Meg, thank you again, and uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll bid adieu. Great. Well, it was nice talking with you guys. I look forward to doing it again soon. Okay, that was Meg Wilson. Uh, we'll we'll call her teacher extraordinaire. And I think John, you said she was a uh, uh, Apple Teacher of the Year, or something to that. Effect. Yeah, 2011, which is it's a pretty good uh, good distingu- distinguishment. You know, you don't see that a whole lot. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, any uh, any award like that from a, a big company like that it means you're doing something. Uh, you have to be doing quite a bit just to get up on the radar. So uh, uh, great I, stuff. And I have to say, you controlled yourself well. You didn't uh, you, you didn't attack Apple fans or anything during that. You uh, right? You I was well, a good boy. Yeah, well I composed. tried to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and I have to tell you, I, while I was uh, while we we were talking, I actually went to our our live stream and I was looking around on on uh, the Element OP website, and uh, I happened to land on the Tightwad Tech uh, merchandise page, and I just want to point out that uh, your Tightwad Tech show <laughs> has um, iPhone and iPad cases available for for yes. all your fans. So I I just wanted to point that one out now. I thought this was a good time to mention that. <laughs> yeah, we we actually left that on there. You know, uh, I, I think it's uh, coffee. Uh, it's coffee cup press or something is the company that that does that stuff and of course you give them your, your logo and they can put it on uh, hundreds of different products and we actually talked about that when we set that up we said should we do the iphone and ipad cases it'd be kind of <laughs> ironic it. you know and uh, uh yeah so we absolutely did we said, yeah we gotta leave it on there <laughs> so uh yeah absolutely and i don't really disagree with a whole lot that she had to say there um uh you know being the tightwad uh it, it's the price that really uh I have a hard time with. Uh, we could yeah. never at our district have accomplished one to one if we were doing iDevices. And no, it, you know, the good thing though, and, and she mentioned this very briefly, I, you know, like I said, I think she does have um, some affiliation with Apple, you know, being the distinguished educator and, and really having embraced all this. But 
you know, Meg did mention that a lot of the things that she was talking about, a lot of the the ways to use these devices, really you could do with any portable device. It's not right. necessarily just eye devices. So that that's something to take away too. Is um, these are all possibilities, and there's cheaper ways to get to these these ends too. If if you're if you get creative. Yeah, and you know, more and more nowadays, uh, with uh, with Android really uh, kind of taking over the world uh, by storm, uh, those devices as well. And I, I want to warn people that uh, a, com- a comparison between Apple and Android uh, is is kind of the same as Apple and Microsoft. They're not really true comparisons, and a lot of people don't understand this. Um, so Android is an operating system and Apple has its iOS, but it goes on their devices. So, uh, so there's, uh, there's some stability issues there. And this is what Apple, uh, people who like Apple products will talk about is that they're more stable and, and they truly are because they're a walled garden. And Apple can design things for their specific hardware. Uh, what you have to watch out for with Android, and I've been seeing a lot with the tablets lately, is that it does, they do all use that same Android OS, but there is a wide range of, uh, of, of, a wide quality range in tablets. So, uh, right. you can have some very cheaply made tablets and yes, you can go out and grab one for under $200, but, uh, buyer beware. You do get what you pay for there. So even though, uh, we're seeing more and more Android, uh, particularly in the phones and, and the tablets are starting to come on as well. Uh, be careful. Don't, don't get sold by a, a snake oil salesman who's, uh, giving you Android tablets for, you know, $150 a piece. Uh, you're probably not going to be happy with those. Right. Good. Good advice. Is that your, your your tech tip for the week? Yeah, I guess so. You know, I had an there empty spot there, and here I just rambled one off the top of my head. So, <laughs> so uh, with that, that's a that's a perfect segue. So, uh, John, like why don't that. you uh, cut into our uh, teacher tip of the week? Well, I've been giving a lot of websites as teacher tips, and I thought I'd I'd change it up a little bit um, with this episode airing right before school. Uh, I actually was thinking about it, and uh, earlier today, and I checked my Facebook account, and um, I follow one of the local news stations around here and what they do to try to make kind of PR, keep them personable is they'll have their, their news personalities go on and, and post messages on the Facebook wall. And I usually don't pay much attention, but I happen to see in my feed today that one of the, uh, news ladies asked how many, um, unread emails are in their inbox. And she said she had like 2000 something. And I thought, Oh, you know, I haven't checked my school email in a while. <laughs> and I checked and I have like 80 something, just, you know, things that you get signed up for and, and auto generated mail and that kind of thing. And, um, I took some time to clean it out. And while I was in there, I cleaned out my old email from last school year because things like parent contact from, for students I no longer have and, um, messages about, faculty meetings and that kind of stuff just kind of sit there. So uh, that would be my teacher tip for the week is, you know, school's right around the corner, guys, and you're going to want to get ready for that. And quick and easy way to do it is wipe that inbox and save what you have to save and trash what you have to trash and uh, and, and get yourself ready for a new onslaught. Because I know my school email fills up like crazy every day. We get 40, 50 new messages because um, I'm in a relatively big school and, and everyone likes to mass email everything. So <laughs> sure. uh, you, you really have to stay on top of that. So just, just get ready. That's I'm going to be the bearer of bad news. School is right around the corner. 
Yes, yes. As much as we don't want to admit it, it certainly is. I know we're uh, right. we're scrambling, and uh, of course, we uh, being the the tech guy here uh, as well. I uh, I work through the summer and do all the new setup on the computers and things like that, and get the new technologies in and and up and ready for use. And uh, so we've been uh, we've been here working all summer long, but we even go into that overload mode when it comes down to the last two or three weeks before school starts, and uh, there's just so much. Uh, for everybody to to uh, think about so uh, i think that's a great start is yeah get that email cleaned out because uh you you don't need that for sure all right well uh uh i'm gonna say it that was another great show uh meg was uh was quite the talker and i love guests like that so yeah, you know, and she, you could tell she was passionate too by what she was you know with the things she was talking about absolutely so, um, it's always nice to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yes, definitely another great show. And we thank Meg Wilson again for joining us and, uh, and making that a, a possibility. Uh, so now I'm going to just cut into the many ways that you can contact us. And, uh, we certainly eagerly await, uh, any contact that you'd like to send to us. Uh, first off, you can email tightwadteacher at elementop.com. Uh, you can also go onto the website and the website is really like the central core of ways to to contact us. So if you go to elementop.com and that's uh, like the periodic table of elements and like Opie Taylor. So elementop.com. Uh, you can go there and you're going to find forums and we don't have a whole lot of forum activity right now, but it would love to see that uh, start to grow. Uh, that's certainly a way that you can interact with us. Me and John will uh, uh, watch that and uh, respond to uh, any, any forum posts, at least while it's manageable. And uh, uh, other ways, uh, if you're a social type, which so many are you can follow us at uh, uh on twitter and it's at element opie and when you go to the at element opie page so you don't really want to follow at element opie what you'd like to do is go to twitter go to the at element opie and on there you're going to find several lists and one of those lists will be tightwad teacher if you follow that you get both my feed and john's feed so uh you get a two for one there uh you can also find us on facebook uh facebook.com slash element opie and that's uh, uh that's our fan page and it'll have a lineup of all of our shows uh you can also call us you can call us and leave a voicemail at 530 frugal f-r-u-g-a-l two the number two. So 530-FRUGAL-2. Uh, you can call, leave us a voicemail, and we will certainly respond. Uh, we may even use your voicemail on the air. So if you leave a voicemail and don't want it on the air, please let us know. Uh, another way that you can leave us a voicemail is uh, we've got a widget on the website, and you can click on that, and Google will actually call you, and you'll get a little automated thing there, and you can leave your voicemail, and uh, and we'll get that as well. So many, many ways to get a hold of us. Um and I think that's about it. I'm all talked out, John. How about you? Yeah, uh, I think Meg did most of the talking for us. So we're, <laughs> right. a good, yeah, a good we, point to sign off. We did get off. We did get off light this week, and uh, I know it was nice. I, I like you said, I love having those passionate teachers because you can ask a question and sit back and take a breather for a while. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, all right. Well, another great show. And uh, for now, I'll just say this is Sean signing off, and John signing off. <laughs>